This is Vern Benham Grimsley with the Spiritual Renaissance Broadcast. Can science change human nature? Could modern genetic research result in better human beings? Some investigators believe so. One scientist, who calls himself an evolutionary optimist, proposed what he called negative eugenics to rid humankind of hereditary defects and make possible evolutionary improvement of the human species. This proposal, made by Dr. Theodosius Dobzhansky of Rockefeller University in New York. But it is easier to reach a consensus on which defects man would be better off without than to produce a blueprint of the ideal man, Dobzhansky said. Modern science dreams of helping to create the, quote, ideal man. But is the ideal human being possible without taking into account the need for spiritual development as well? Suppose a scientist sketched out on a drawing board his or her concept of an ideal human being, perhaps a creature with three eyes, two in the front, one in the back, with 12 fingers instead of 10, or an extra spare liver, or whatever. You could improve the human species physically, all you desired, but unless you also improved the human species spiritually, unless people learned more love and compassion as well, they would cause just as much trouble and sadness as before. The most crucial question before humankind in this moment is whether we can undergo a spiritual renaissance, and that means the learning of love. The message of Jesus, at its very simplest, is simply this, the love of God and the love of others. There's an abundance to fill your poorness, a fullness to fill your emptiness, and it is all from the goodness of God, who is your father and your friend. God loves you. Love is one of those pronounceable words with an unpronounceable meaning. A word like God, like truth and goodness, and like beauty. Words which one can understand but cannot always define in the mind. But love is something you can know without knowing its definition. Love is only one word in the whole dictionary, but it would take a whole dictionary to define that one word, love. And even then, you could not do it completely. It possesses more meanings than human mind can know nor tongue can tell. Any third grader understands how to spell love, but not even the wisest psychologist understands the spell of love, its mysterious power, its thrill and vibrant goodness, its renewing and radiant energy. Love is a word humanity created to describe a reality divinity created. It is of God. Love is born of God, it is the desire to do good to another. God desires good for your life. Multiplied millions of men and women are living as orphans unaware. They're simply not cognizant of this thrilling truth that they are sons and daughters of the living God. And to love and to worship God is a joy. Worship is enjoying God. Worship is splashing in God's spirit like a child in the surf of an ocean. Worship is a form of religious recreation, sheer nearness to the source of all. It is the enjoyment of God. It is praising God and thanking God. And in your soul, there is the need of worship. Realize God loves you. Have faith in that, vital faith in that. But someone asks, what good is faith? Is faith 
but a blind belief that everything is going to turn out all right, even when all the evidence stands to the contrary? Is faith only a childlike fantasy or a childish fantasy? Or is it for the mature as well? Is living by faith a dull daydream or a dynamic adventure? There's only one way you will ever find out, and that is by beginning to live by faith. And then you will know the truth of what Jesus of Nazareth taught, that faith is the most thrilling experience in the world. By faith, you can live as the child of God you are, by the power of God, and faith can utterly conquer anxiety and fear. Did you know that zoologists have found an elephant really can be frightened by a mouse? One might better comprehend a mouse becoming frightened by an elephant. And yet, think for a moment. Most of the things that you are afraid of in your life are really very small, if you consider them as they truly are. And the power of God within you is absolutely infinite in comparison to any of those problems or things which frighten you. So why be senselessly afraid? Fear fogs your mind, chatters your teeth, trembles your fingers, shivers your spine, ulcers your stomach, and knocks your knees. Who needs it? You don't. Because you are a son or daughter of the infinite God. You are kin to the Creator, and in that vital spiritual relationship in your life is the conquest of fear. You can take a running water hose, bend it double, and stop the flow of water entirely. And that is what fear does in your life. It tightens up and cuts the free flow of spiritual power and love and goodness and joy within you. These living waters still will flow and flood your life if only you will release them by your faith. Simply let go your stranglehold of skepticism and permit the living power of the living God to be released in you as it was meant to flow. But this can only be accomplished by faith, by the valiant act of recognizing the validity of spiritual consciousness. And then accept the truth that you are valuable, that you are loved, that God has a will and wisdom for your life. And live fearlessly in faith. I recall years ago some neighbors who had a little four-year-old boy who was intensely frightened of the dark. His fear became so great that he could hardly go to sleep at night until his parents found a solution by getting him a little night light to keep burning in his room with a soft, white, gentle glow, and their son became no longer afraid. Neither need you be afraid. For glowing within the chambers of your mind, there is an illuminating spirit, a spiritual illumination, the living presence of the eternal God, a spark of spirit, an ember of eternity, and it will never dim nor flicker. Be not afraid. God is with you. God's spirit is within you. Said Jesus, the kingdom of God is within you. All human beings are sons and daughters of the Most High, a truth too easily forgotten. History recounts a fascinating story. Back in the year 1651, when King Charles II of England was fleeing to escape capture by Cromwell, he became so tattered and bedraggled 
that when he walked in through the front door of the Fish Market Hotel in Rouen, France, they forcibly ejected him, threw him out into the street, because they took him to be nothing but a vagrant. Though, in fact, he was the king. He was Charles II of England. But this is far more than a footnote from history. This is a parable of every person on this planet. You and I and all of humankind are royalty unrecognized, the sons and daughters of the Most High God. And to begin to think of ourselves and others in this way is a life-transforming and world-transforming truth. You are somebody. There's a plan for your life and a purpose for your existence. Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than receive. He said, it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Receive, you will, pressed down, shaken together, and running over at the brim. And you will say with the psalmist, my cup runneth over with the joy, with the gladness of the love of God, in worshiping God, living by faith as you were created to live. Some people will become all aflutter when they meet a movie star. They get flushed and excited and thrilled when some famous person who doesn't care a bit about them just passes by on the sidewalk, in the street. And some people are deliriously delighted when they get to shake hands with some well-known politician or meet a big business president, someone who perhaps, again, cares very little about them. But on this radio broadcast, I want to have the privilege of introducing you to someone who is bigger than any movie star or politician or tycoon on earth, someone so big that he makes all the movie stars, politicians, and tycoons on earth, and billions of other human beings as well. God, the living God, who is your Father, who loves you, and whom to know is delight. You may know a lot about God. You may have studied theology and philosophy, but it's another thing entirely to know God, to share your life with God, to talk with God as you go through your day and through your night. This is yours if you will have the faith to accept it. I recall when I was a boy, my family visited Manitou Springs, Colorado. And we went to a place where clear, cold, natural mineral waters flowed out of a great rock. And the people who owned this land, where the springs ran, had an interesting business. They didn't charge anything for the water. The mineral water was free. But you had to pay to buy a drinking cup if you happened to have brought a glass or if you wanted to use your cupped hands, that was fine, but hardly anybody did. So they sold a great many cups up there at that spring. But the mineral water was free and flowing. You only had to take the trouble to take it. It is the same with God's power, God's energy, God's love in the living of your life. These things are free and flowing this very moment. You only need reach out to receive these things. And claiming for yourself the joy, the faith, the power, which feels so right because it is so right, because it is of God, and because within your soul for all the years of your life, you have needed these things of which I speak in this moment. And they're yours by the simple faith to claim them as your own. Write to us, will you, at the Spiritual Renaissance Institute, 
For free literature on the spiritual life, write to Box 3080, Oakhurst, California, 93644, USA. That's Box 3080, Oakhurst, California. For those of you listening in other countries around the world over our international satellite and shortwave network, let me spell this mailing address. Box 3080-3080, Oakhurst, O-A-K-H-U-R-S-T, California, C-A-L-I-F-O-R-N-I-A, 93644, United States of America. This is a non-sectarian, non-profit program proclaiming the fatherhood of God and the brotherhood of man, the worldwide family of God. And so for now, this is Vern Benham Grimsley saying, may God's will be done by you. Good day.